Well, hey, everybody, it's Pastor Brian, and we just finished up our 2021 Leadership One Day. It was a great day, and as part of the day, we did some breakout sessions, and they were so good that I decided I wanted to sit down with all of the different leaders who led them just so they could share some of their content with all of you. And in this conversation, I talked to Heather Johnson, our missional community coordinator, about building teams for friendship and impactful ministry, and she shares so many insights that are helpful, whatever kind a team leadership you are involved in for creating a safe environment, a fun environment, a friendly environment, and there are going to be a lot of takeaways. So grab a notebook and listen to these insights from Heather. All right, I'm here with Heather Johnson. And Heather, you say that there are two main reasons people join and stay on a volunteer team. What are those two reasons? Yeah, the the in a nutshell, basically people stay on a, a team, a volunteer team, where there's no payroll involved in, <laughs> in having them stay. Um, they stay because they're making friends or they're making a difference. Uh, and really, we can focus just on those two things that will strengthen and help us hold our teams um, just to a level of kind of excellence, yeah. <laughs> that it'll just feel like a really great team if we're if we're friends and if we feel like we're making a difference. So um, I, I can start with kind of building a team of friends. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, we constantly need to remember that relationships are the glue that holds a team together. Um, more, it, it's so much more the case when you, people are choosing to be there yeah. um, that the, the whole experience is going to be more enjoyable if the people that you're accomplishing your task with are fun to be around (laughs) that you enjoy, that care about you, that you care about them. And as leaders that are trying to create a team that has lasting friendships, we just need to constantly remind ourselves that the purpose is the people Uh, because it's really easy to get distracted by the task that we need to accomplish or, or, or the really important work that we need to do. Um, But as much as that is important, it's the people. That's the reason that your team members are there. Yeah. Um, accomplishing the task is part of the reason they're there, mm-hmm. but they're going to stick around. They're going to give you their time in the midst of their really busy schedule if they enjoy the people that they're doing it with. Yeah. I think a lot of us is we're leading teams, whether it's here at church or out in the community, maybe our children's schools. We we lead or we're part of teams of volunteers. And a lot of times there can be, it can feel like there's just not a lot of time to get a lot done. Yeah. So just generally speaking, it can feel a little bit rushed. You want to honor everyone's time and all of that. And because of that, we can tend to get a little task-based about things. H- how do we balance kind of that pressure we feel to, quote unquote, use our time efficiently with the importance of, okay, relational connections really are that glue and, and creating a fun atmosphere is important. How do we incorporate those things in environments where time can feel a little bit strained? I think for me, and I this especially when I'm thinking about like teams that I'm on in schools or different yeah. things, um, accomplishing the task first, and, and then giving extra time mm-hmm. for people that want to stick around and cultivate the relationship. I think yeah. is a really easy way to do it. Yeah. Um, making small talk before mm-hmm. and after, asking people questions yeah. about their personal life. Um, I, I think it's that's really key as a leader. Uh, just care, just caring, caring yeah. about people beyond what they're the need that they're helping you meet. Yeah, um, I think is is really really important. And then I also think just 
changing the environment with which you're doing it. If you mm-hmm. have the option to do something in, in a home versus the, you know, kind of the place that you're accomplishing the task that yeah. just changes the, the feel of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, whether that be a, a missional community or a, a team leader meeting, um, I think of all the different teams I've been on and helping at my kids school, it makes, it, it feels different if we're assembling graduation packets at yeah. s- on someone's dining room table versus yeah. assembling graduation packets in the gymnasium. Yeah. You know, it, it just feels like friends working together as opposed to just a bunch of people accomplishing a task. Yeah, certainly place can make a huge difference in in the mentality we bring to, to a situation, yeah. uh, that's for sure. You talk a lot about the importance of being curious about people. Why does that make a difference when it comes to building healthy teams? Well, I, curiosity shows you care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, I mean, there's so much that's that's there's so much depth to curiosity because it shows you care. Um, it shows you're listening because you're often your curiosity is not just one question, it's follow-up questions or it's a question a couple of weeks later. Um, you know, how's your mom? How's your, (laughs) whatever the concern is that they shared. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's that simple. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I completely agree, and I think uh, you're right. Curiosity is a great way to show that you care. And another thing that you talked about on Sunday was the idea of creating safety in a team. And you're getting beyond just, of course, you want your environment to be physically safe. Yeah. But we're talking about creating uh, an environment where people feel very safe as a part of the team. What are some ways to cultivate a sense of, of safety and belonging in a team that you're leading or participating in? Yeah, I mean, it goes without saying that you can't really create a team of friends if you don't have a safe environment. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of, um, it's kind of buzzwordy right now in, in, um, in the workforce, you know, kind of psychological safety and how do you create this with teams? And there's a great um, TED talk I haven't watched yet, but it's supposed <laughs> to be really good. <laughs> um, it, it, but this is even more and more important on a volunteer team or on a faith-based team um, for multiple reasons. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that the, first I want to define safety. Yeah. So, you know, a, a safe environment is, is basically an environment where you're not going to be punished or humiliated for speaking up with an idea, a question, or a concern. And and, and it sounds kind of like a no-duh statement, but you'd be surprised at the times where we don't speak up. Um, I mean, there's a great list. It says, you know, we don't want to look ignorant, so we don't ask a question. Hmm. We don't want to look incompetent, so we don't admit a weakness or a mistake. We don't want to look intrusive, so we don't offer an idea. Um, Or we don't want to look negative, so we don't critique. Um, you know, yeah. or kind of give some constructive feedback. Sure. And, and 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 looking at the things that we don't want to do kind of helps us see. Okay, maybe that environment doesn't feel super safe to yeah. me. If I'm afraid of looking ignorant, then maybe there's something that's happened in that environment that um, where I've been critiqued or minimized or shut down. Um, and, and then I'm gonna. Well, I, I learned my lesson. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna do that anymore. Yeah. Um, and and so I think as a leader, there's just a lot of subtle ways that an environment cannot feel safe. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot in terms of like a because I lead missional communities. I think a lot in terms of when you're doing scripture study. Mm-hmm. How quick it is for people to correct one another in kind of the 
idea that their theology is incorrect. And I think that, yes, we need to bring correction and have correct theology, but there's a way to do it yeah. with grace and curiosity and, <laughs> and gentleness yeah. that then we have a good environment for a biblical discussion, not a, oh, I'm afraid to share my answer because it might not be right. Right. Um, and, and that, that manifests itself in a variety of different teams. Yeah. Um, too much sarcasm can affect the feelings of a team's safety yeah. because different people are are comfortable with levels, different levels of sarcasm. So sure. what feels biting to you might might not feel biting to me. Yeah. So we have to be very careful about sarcasm. Um, how quickly we, I, I mean, I, I tell people this story all the time and in college they, they nicknamed me Hammer Heather because I was really quick to, where is that in the scripture? You know, and, and I had to learn, I had to learn to pause. And even if I thought I was right, that it, you know, to not jump all over people, yeah. even just pausing can create a more safe environment. Yeah. And welcoming feedback, you know, saying, yeah, what's your idea? Not quickly saying, well, that's not going to work. And here's why. Yeah. Uh, sometimes even if we as leaders know that it's not going to work, just allowing them the ability to entertain the idea. Um, I'm not trying to be disingenuine. I, sure. I just think that, that that I have a high value for wanting them to feel heard yeah. because that creates the safe environment. Even if I have 15 reasons why that's not going to work, I want to at least entertain it because I care about the environment that's yeah. there. Um, and even following up, like, okay, I, here's why I don't think it's work, but it's going to work, but let me think about it and let me, let me look at some different possibilities and then following up and saying this, I did think about it and this is why it won't. All of that creates that safe environment because their ideas were heard. Yeah. I don't know. It all comes back down to allowing people that ability to express and interact with one another and not have to worry about how you're going to feel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think those are such great, very, very practical ways we can make an environment safer as, as leaders. But a question on that, I, I think that oftentimes, and <laughs> this is as somebody who's in, leads in a lot of different places, this is, it's, this is terrifying to me because I think that often as leaders, we can accidentally create an unsafe environment and we're the last ones to know. Yes. Like we're the last <laughs> ones who realize like, oh my gosh, because maybe what's in our head is fine, but what's being expressed is less fine. Yeah. How can we as team leaders get an honest sense of, okay, am I creating a safe environment or not? Or do people feel safe around me or not? Well, I think we can ask yeah. outright yeah. <laughs> to the people that we trust. And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, I think people usually give honest answers yeah. for that, um, especially if they have ownership on your team because they've got skin in the game yeah. and they, they want the environment to be positive. Um, yeah. So I, th I think asking on a regular basis. Uh, I also think uh, never leading alone is super helpful in creating yeah. a, a safe environment because then you have multiple voices speaking in, um, you know, the, the feelers are going to kind of get the feel of the room. The thinkers are going to kind of figure out kind of what people need, y yeah. you know, so having multiple personalities, I'm, I'm all for at least two people leading a team. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just going to make your team more 
fuller and richer yeah. because we we lead out of both our strengths and our weaknesses. So we see our weaknesses in the teams we create. Um, yeah, that's good. And so it's real that that makes it even more reason why we need co-leaders. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. then we have less weaknesses. Right. Um. So. I don't know. That's yeah. just off the top of my head. No, that's that's really really good. I think. I mean, that's even the co-leading concept. I think can can help uh, mitigate a lot of it, it can mitigate a lot of our kind of rough spots because we can complement one another as opposed to just leading kind of exclusively from our own perspectives. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and safety is really a team dynamic that yeah. that as much as you as the leader can cultivate that environment by all the things you're doing, you also have to control the environment yeah. by um, by holding other people accountable to mm-hmm. that. So, um, you know, if, if it's a if it's a missional community, uh, you're you're kind of or a Bible study class, you know, you're you're talking about what, it, pri- you know, privacy and yeah. what you're what you're kind of you're agreeing these are the things that we're going to hold each other to um if it's a you know a greeting team or a ministry team community closet um and you see some behavior amongst one another that you kind of have some concerns about then you need to pull people aside one-on-one and just say hey i'm not sure you're i'm not sure you're aware of how this is coming across yeah um and that's a really helpful way to to bring some awareness to people because I think especially if we have stronger personalities a lot of the ways we're not aware of how easily people that don't have strong personalities or come from more woundedness or insecurity how easily they feel shut down and so sometimes even just me as a leader helping someone on my team kind of say hey are you aware how you're coming across because I've seen some different people respond to you and I'll give very specifics yeah um, and not, I'm not trying to shame them. I'm just trying to help them see how they're coming across. Yeah. Um, and I've found people really receptive to that. Yeah. Uh, and then that's now you're creating a team environment of safety and then they have ownership because they don't want to be the one that shuts somebody down. Right. They want to be the, cause they want the team to grow. They want the team to be healthy. Right. Um, so you really have to create the dynamic, not just through your leadership, but through your accountability as well. I think that's, that's so, so good. And I, I love that phrasing of, of, do you see how you're coming across? I, I feel like, and it sounds like from your experience, it tends to provoke quite a bit less defensiveness. Yes. Because you're not saying, hey, why are you a terrible person? <laughs> yeah. Right? You're saying, and that, that's obviously an exaggeration, but it's you're not making these character judgments. Yeah. Rather, you're, it, if anything, you're sort of saying, hey, I know this is not who you are. Right. But this is how it's coming across. And it yeah. sounds like you, you've had some, some success in helping people, in people seeing that. When it's phrased in that way. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's responsibility on both sides. Sure. You know, the, the, the person who's kind of feeling shut down needs to take responsibility and and admit some of, some of their own woundedness and assume yeah. the best in the person that they feel like is shutting them down. Yeah. And then the person that has the more dominant personality can take responsibility for it too. So yeah. it, again, it's a team dynamic back and forth. I'll call people on both sides. Yeah. You know, I'll say, Hey, you know, you kind of got defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, that seemed your response seemed a little overly sensitive. Yeah. Um, so you can do both, you know, <laughs> sure. cause you're, again, you're, you're, you're holding both sides accountable for the team dynamic yeah. so that everybody can give and receive 
and and have a level of authenticity. Yeah. Um, I think we use the word vulnerability a lot, which I, which is a good word, but I also feel like people can feel like, oh, I got to confess my sins and air my dirty laundry. And yeah. I actually feel like you can build as much trust with authenticity. If we're just authentic and, and real, yeah. I don't have to air all my, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you yeah. know, I don't have to air everything, but I can be authentic with who I am and how I'm coming across and how you're receiving me. And, yeah. and we can have a real exchange and that builds just as much trust yeah. as a really deep and intimate moment. Yeah. Yeah. Those, man, those, so much there about safety and what does it look like to create a safe team dynamic? And it certainly brought a applicability uh, to a different, you know, diff- different types of teams. I, I want to, shift now to talking about, okay, friendship. Yeah. It's one thing to take, create a safe environment, and that's really important. And yeah. kind of in like a hierarchy of needs standpoint, like, okay, now that I'm safe, I yeah. can think about making friends. <laughs> so how? what are some simple ways on our teams, whether we're serving together, meeting together, whatever, that we can just go about building friendships, simple things we can do? Yeah, I think one is, as the leader, really encourage people to exchange numbers. So yeah. do not be the the thing that gets in the way of friendships in, on your team. Hmm, that's um, good. Right Right from the very beginning, you know, create some type of system that they can contact each other without having to contact you first yeah. <laughs> and set the expectation um, that that is the case, right? Yeah. That that we're all, as much as you can mention it, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so went out for coffee, you know, so you're creating yeah. that expectation that that we are a team of friends. We know each other's phone numbers. Um, that's kind of, seems really simple, but it, it works. Um, I'll intentionally match people up. Uh, I think this is probably one of the things that I'm just wired for. Um, I meet, you know, I meet Laura and I meet Susie and I instantly think about the thing that they have in common. You know, it's like, oh, and now in my spirit, I'm like, well, I got to introduce Laura and Susie and tell them what they have in common. So I'm constantly making connections on my team and trying to help help facilitate connections on their own by helping them see the things that they have in common. And we can do that intentionally too. Um, You're the team leader assign, you you know, sometime this week, everybody's going to text one another, um, an encouragement sometime this week, sometime this month, you know, initiate with one person on the team and do something social together. So we can, as the team leaders, we can assign friendships and then trust the Holy spirit (laughs) to, um, to bond people together. Um, we can celebrate birthdays, anniversaries. That's what friends do, you know, (laughs) Um, which is so easy to lose sight of. Um, it's silly, but you know, I mean, I was on so many work teams on the senior committee I was on, um, for my kids high school. Uh, and you know, we did a lot of work together, me and these ladies and, we transitioned from work to friendships when we all went out for somebody's birthday. Yeah. Uh, and mm. so there's just something about celebrating together that changes the feel of a team, um, caring for one another. If as a team leader, this sounds horrible, but as a team leader, <laughs> when a need arises, that is an opportunity for your team to then meet that need and take it to the next level. Yeah. So I'm not wishing sickness on anybody, sure. but, but I'm, but when that happens, 
oh man, I want to rally our team around that person. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's in church, we're going to pray for them with somebody. I'm going to ask somebody to organize meals, yeah. um, send a text encouragement. Everybody takes one day of the week and we're all texting them. You know, there's so many ways you can rally around a need as it arises that will just take the level of your team from people accomplishing a task to, to people that are friends. Yeah. Um, and then just working in the regular rhythm of socials or rituals. Um, I know Kids Way does their annual all skate thing, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, which it kind of seems silly to some teams, but that is that is a treasured event by yeah. those families that serve faithfully in Kids Way. Yeah. Uh, so anything that you can build in like that, barbecues or summer socials or yeah. um, anything, anything that is off campus or off, you know, out of the norm, even if you only do it once or twice a year. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that stuff can feel extra and, and frivolous. Yeah. But man, I think, I think the best leaders understand that it's not, that it is part of the fabric that builds a team that's going to stick together and, and, and go the distance. And I think more than that, kind of, as you alluded to, who's going to participate in one another's lives Beyond the task at hand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you really don't need your whole team. I, I mean, you you go with the people that show up. Sure. You know, I remember the first, I think it's the first summer I was leading missional communities and we were a much smaller team then. Mm-hmm. And I just did, we did summer, summer barbecues at my yeah. house and we did once a month. We did June, July and August. And I think we had, you know, 20 ish people show up each time and it was different people each yeah. time. And it was so fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just feel like that was one of the best events we had yeah. early on because now instead of a team of 60, you know, I had a team of 20 three times and right. the, the level of conversation. And now I felt like I knew people. Yeah. Um, for me, it's really important to have people in my home. Um, but but two, it was just such a different atmosphere than a meeting we could have here in classroom three, which is yeah. valuable. Sure. But it just felt different. Oh, well, and as to your point that you brought up earlier about just kind of atmosphere and environment yeah. and aesthetic, that those things make a huge difference. So uh, another thing you talked about was just just the idea of, okay, uh, how do we build teams that that make a difference? And you gave us three kind of key ideas. And as we're we're as we're starting to wrap up here, yeah. I do want to talk about these these three ideas. So talk to us about okay, we're talking building te- teams that make a difference. What are some keys uh, to doing that? So let's just start with the first one. Yeah. So the first thing we need to do as a, any whatever your team is, you need to know your purpose. So why does your team exist? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm trying to get better at this for my own team. Um, and the the more you can say it really succinctly, the better. And then if you don't know, if your team knows why they exist, ask your team, why do we exist? Um, and it will be very um, enlightening. So it's been enlightening for me to try to figure out how to, how to communicate that. Um, but, but then if you're here at Bridgeway, the, the other thing, so we need to know why my team exists, but then I need to know how does my team fit into the bigger picture hmm. of Bridgeway, the bigger yeah. purpose of Bridgeway. So not only know my own purpose, but know the purpose of my team in the bigger purpose. Yeah. Um, and I, in the workshop, I just said, everybody go look up the core values of Bridgeway. Um, you know, knowing God, loving generously, developing disciples, building family, partnering missionally. Yeah. And, and you try to figure out as the team leader, where do you fit in our core values? How would you articulate that to someone else? Because yeah. not only is your team important, but your team 
increases in their level of difference making when they yeah. see how they fit with the big kingdom perspective that that God is doing. Yeah. Now all of a sudden what I do is really important right. as a greeter because I'm helping set the atmosphere for worship. Yeah. And, and so now my job just got really important. Do, oh, absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah. So not just knowing what I'm doing, but what I'm doing and how that impacts what our church is doing yeah. increases the difference making. Yeah. Yeah. That's well. And I love that because, and you talk about it in a church context, but this can, can exist in all sorts of all different sorts environments, of right? Yep. That yes. Okay. To use that greeting example. Well, I'm just standing at the doors, handing out bulletins. Yep. No, no. <laughs> First of all, that's a very important task. Second of all, you are, you're preparing people for worship. You are creating a welcoming atmosphere. You are facilitating people's connection with God. Yeah. And you think about I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, I know, but how much more inspired people are going to be to do that task when they realize its importance. And you're not inflating its importance. No. You're helping people just truly understand what is possible, what's at stake, the opportunity that exists. And man, I, I think often as leaders, maybe we know the purpose of our team. And we get the big picture, but sometimes I don't know if we do the best job of really making sure everybody else knows it oh, yeah. so that they can get excited about it too, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, we need to really remember to delegate because yeah. the only way that somebody can feel like they're making a difference is if they feel like their presence matters, if they feel like yeah. th- that they're needed. Um, and, and so... Uh, you know, I talked briefly about the the, the scripture in Exodus, you know, where he, Moses gets a, a chastising from his father-in-law because he's doing all the work himself. You yeah. know, and I feel like every time I read that, I'm convicted because I know there's more I can give away. And the more yeah. that people are doing, then they feel that sense of ownership that yeah. um, I know that my own team growth is limited by my own independence. Yeah, um, man. And that... I'm I'm missing out on opportunities for people to feel like they're making a difference because I need to be better about delegating. Yeah. Wow. Your growth is limited by your own independence. Like that's a boy. That one like stings a little, but it's really, I mean, it's true. It's true. And it's great to think about. So, okay. So number one, you got to know the purpose of your team. Number two, you've got to delegate and you kind of tease number three just now, but talk to us about number three. Um, Well, remembering that each individual makes a unique contribution. So I talked a lot about how making a difference is different than meeting a need. Yeah. So, um, which I feel like I, you know, it's like I want to pause, you know, because so often we're focused on meeting a need, yeah. and 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 people are motivated to be on our teams by need meeting a need. Like yeah. that's important, but they're not necessarily going to stick around, yeah, just because you need them right. or something needs to get done because. I've got family, I've got work, I've got other commitments. Got my own needs. Right, I've got my own needs. <laughs> yeah. So need can't be the thing that motivates people. It, it, it's deeper than that. Yeah. Um, and, and so places where as team leaders we can pull out and point out people's unique contribution. Um, one, because it's harder to see in ourselves. It's easier yeah. for other people to point it out. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I keep picking on greedy ministry, but man, you know, your smile lights up a room yeah. and, and the warmth that you exude when people, you know, when you're greeting people, man, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Well, that extrovert at the door, they're just being, they're just being extroverted. They yeah. don't really see 
they're not looking at their smile. They don't sure. feel the warmth that they exude. And so I need to point it out to them. That's really good. So they can see the difference that they're making. Um, so that's, I, I just feel like as a whole church, we can just grow in this and mm. pointing it out in one another, the things that we c- we can't really see in ourselves. Yeah. Um, and all that does is it just, it pulls out the spiritual gifts. It pulls out the unique contributions. It pulls out, you know, kind of our personalities, the best of one another and says, you shine in this. We yeah. need you here. We need more of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now I feel like I matter and I'm making a difference and I'm more likely to show up Yeah. because they, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I'm important here. Yeah. I love that idea of pointing things out in people that they might not see in themselves. I wonder if, uh, maybe I'm just projecting my own, my own issues here, that you just sort of assume people know. Yes. So then we don't say it. Yeah. Right? When there's such value in... Just letting people know, like like you said with the extrovert, they don't realize yeah. even. They're just being themselves. Right. But to see from the outside, hey, this is kind of, it's it's the exact opposite of what you were just saying earlier. Hey, do, do you realize how people are experiencing <laughs> you right now? They're experiencing you as wonderful. Yeah. Um, man, that can be, uh, that can be really, really powerful. Um, I want to touch on one other thing and then we'll, we'll wrap up. A big part of being on a team is development. Yeah. Right. Uh, talk about the importance of developing people on your team and even kind of developing with a sense of expectancy. What, what does that look like? Um, I think for me, it, it, it looks several ways. One, seeing everybody as image bearers. So everybody has potential and, and God's at some point in his transformation process and every single person on our team, yeah. um, regardless of how they come to you. So we talked a little bit about in the workshop that some of us are on teams that people, um, that people sign up for. So you, yeah. you're not choosing your team. They're getting assigned to you. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and so the more we can see potential and yeah. we can kind of see people through that limp, that lens that they're in transformation, um, is helpful. Um, and, and trying to identify really practical next steps for people to grow. Hmm. So, um, I'm just using greeting because it's easy, you know, (laughs) so um, I can try to use missional communities. Uh, If you're a missional community leader and somebody really wants to lead a missional community um, and, and, and maybe they have a lot of areas for growth, they're not quite ready to step into leadership. I'm going to identify, I'm going to try to pick one thing. Um, Maybe they don't know how to pray out loud. It's going to be really hard to lead a missional community if you don't know how to pray out loud. And so I'm going to, I'm going to think as the leader, okay, we're, I'm going to help them. We're going to grow in this area. Here's yeah. one next step that you can take to lean into being an initial community leader. Let's let's start working on that for the next couple of months. Yeah. Um, so any way that you can identify potential and and then think about where some of their gaps might be and then give them a next step. Yeah. Uh, because often people want to move into responsibility or move into kind of more things to do on your team. Mm-hmm. But they might not be ready yet, but we can help them be ready by breaking it down into smaller steps. Yeah. Well, there we go. There we go. Building teams for meaningful friendships and impactful ministry. Great stuff, Heather. Thank you very much. 